Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 235 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also have Mark Rubin on the line from San Jose, California. Hello. Alrighty. Not really on the... I guess we're all, we're all on the line, technically. We are on the line. We're all, all, all on the line. So do we have any Ask MTJC, Mr. Lopez? Oh, I didn't look. Let me check real fast. Yeah, I checked already. Let's see. Did we get... You already checked? I did, but I'm going to let you do it. What, 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 Mr. What? Mike Henley. Oh, there we go. Okay, let me add this link copy link to tweets i have lost view okay there we go that is so weird why does twitter make those things blue every time i copy and paste those twitter does that too yeah because their um tweet deck does the same thing it's really bizarre why isn't it just a link why, why does it have to be colored blue i, I don't do this blue background no <laughs> oh really guys. oh the gray the gray background i think it's or gray. grayish background yeah, yeah. gray it's literally the only link that does that and it's because i copy and paste it from their little uh copy link to tweet thing well then you need to learn how to use command option shift paste or command option shift v for paste which is paste in the format of the document that you're currently in now you know so do we have any ask hmm. mtjc hi me we do we have one from mike hendley in uh, of ottawa ontario is that what he's who from? is okay. that's what it says here on uh, on twitter so i'll take that one's uh, word for it um well, on the internet's gotta be true yeah <laughs> it says uh i use one password at work for my developers but also have a family account four users multiple vaults all 2fa two-factor authentication are in one password except for office 365, which uses Microsoft Authenticator. Nice watch experience. Authy was great, but 1Password integration is top-notch. Well, and that's in go. response to our call last time of like, hey, you know, I'm using Google Authenticator because I'm kind of twitchy about putting, you know, that last piece of the puzzle into 1Password. I don't know that I had really great reasons for that, but it's interesting to see that there are folks who are uh, going all in on 1Password. And, and maybe I should. And maybe I will, because it's kind of a hassle to move stuff from one phone to another. And I'm looking to buy a new phone with whatever Apple decides to come 
come up with this September. Yeah, it's oh phone. Okay, right. Because because I'm using Google Authenticator for a number of things. So you're, so you're saying that that is the what do we call it? Document of truth that uh, holds your authy pa- your your Google Authenticator passwords. You can't move them from to another device. I'm trying to remember because like one password could you have can, sworn, right? So could have sworn that you know I I use the um you know, I back up to iCloud, but I also make manual backups every once in a while, encrypted backups specifically using iTunes on the Mac. And that's usually what I use to make uh, or use as a restore point when I'm restoring um, onto a new phone, right? I'm switching over to a new iPhone when I buy one. I could have sworn, and I don't have good proof because I didn't like videotape myself or record a journal or anything of doing this. Could have sworn it used to be that the Google Authenticator stuff would move over seamlessly from, you know, backup version phone to new phone. Um, It did not the last time I bought a phone when I went from 7 Plus to iPhone 10. But for those of you who have listened to many of our episodes might remember, I also had a terrible time restoring from my 7 Plus to my iPhone 10, And it was very piecemeal for reasons that are unclear to me. So I don't know if I will have more success this time and it'll just seamlessly migrate over. Or if it's going to be a hassle, I'd rather just use, you know, my cloud linked capability with one password to very seamlessly just load up a new phone and toss them all into the toilet. Whoops. Let me go buy a new one. You know, good thing I got Apple care. I, I don't know. I, if somebody mm. else out there knows better than I do, I, I would guess that it kind of makes sense that the, um, what do they call it? OTP one-time password technology that Google Authenticator is using would probably be linked specifically to that device so that it, you know, somebody else couldn't just copy my phone and say, you know, people for nefarious reasons copying my phone and, oh, look, now they have access to my two-factor authentication stuff. I have no idea. Could be a non-starter, but putting all of that into one password would be very convenient, if nothing else. So, but one password doesn't do the, the sort of authenticator flow, does it? That's the part I'm not clear about. I thought it, I thought it offered that. I could have yeah, sworn. I'm just looking now, but I, I don't see anywhere in here that, that offers that kind of I mean, kind of Mike Hensley here is saying all his two-factor authentication stuff is in one password. Yeah, okay. Except for Office 365, which I presumably is nicely integrated with Microsoft's Authenticator app. And um, I've not used Microsoft Authenticator, but apparently has a nice watch experience. So that might also be mm-hmm. an alternative that I would consider. Yeah, I use Authy for one or two things, but uh, but the rest of it I've been using, I've been stacking things into into the Google Authenticator because it seems to be pretty simple to use, right? And and technically, everybody's telling you not to use text messages to get those six digits or whatever it is, right? You know, because then you're going out onto the web and you're sending it in text and so on and so forth, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's as a very tiny sidebar, very tiny sidebar. People do get really upset about SMS 2FA and it's on the one hand understandable in that it means that you are now moving your security 100% to the phone um, ISP, right? Like in the States, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, Sprint. Like if somebody can convince their customer support that they are in fact you, then you're host, right? They can get your your phone move your uh, phone number moved over to their device, which means all your two FA codes are now going to them. Oh, I see. That's right. a big problem, and that's why people like the OTP one time password stuff, like Authy and Google Authenticator one password. My take on it is yes, it is not as good as those to use SMS, but it's kind of better than not having the SMS two FA because at least with the SMS two FA, like for the most, they had to have conquered some other part of your system, right? Like they they have access to your email, you know, to send like a, a password reset link or some other thing. Like it, they had more than one thing. Um, and yes, they also were able to acquire the other thing from like convincing some poor customer support agent at T-Mobile that yes, I am in fact Tim Mitroff, right? But um, that seems less likely than, oh, all I did was I just figured out his password. Good. Like, okay. <laughs> 
I don't know that yeah, it's an all or nothing sort of thing, right? Yeah, it kind of makes it odd because that that sort of seems like a to, to the, your average you know run of the mill hacker that seems like a lot of work unless you're trying to do a targeted attack. If you're trying to target Britney Spears or that New York Times author, I've forgotten his name, um, who got his Apple ID compromised, I mean, like that was somebody went out of their way to to, to do that, right? Like why would why would they go after John Joe Public, you know, to to try and get his individual password? I, I would think they would try and do like mass attack. Right, like get an entire email list and sell it off to some nefarious person for ten bucks or whatever, right? But um, yeah, that's it the whole like, idea behind you know security by obscurity, right? Just counting on the right. fact that the chances of someone hacking you are so small that it's not worth doing anything about. Um, but if you do get hacked, then you're not going to like. Yeah, it's a, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like yeah, identity yeah. theft. Does that still happen a lot? Identity theft, I believe. It does. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like for example, I'm a huge fan of using Face ID on my iPhone 10. However, if you are a politically exposed person, as they say in the industry, like if you are Theresa May, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, um, UK, I, I would not use that. I would use alternative methods, right? Because clearly there would be enough interest for somebody to be like, I'm going to hack this particular person um, for reasons. And there will be, in that particular case, potentially government resources being used for that, where money is no object, right? Um, that's like an extreme, like to your point there, Joe Public is not Theresa May <laughs> Prime Minister, right? right so right. The, the the threat level, the threat model is quite different um, versus the usability and good enough security, as we've said, with Touch ID and, and Face ID. Well, I would think that places like the government of England and government of Canada and the United States, well, I should take that back, but um, <laughs> I would think that I would think that those organizations like my own, the one I work for, the corporation I work for, have rules about what you can and can't do, you know, with inf- their information on public sites and, you know, in the cloud and that kind of stuff. And they would probably have restrictions on what, what could be done. So one would think, you know, that, that you couldn't, you know, get to Theresa May's stuff, right? Or tr- Justin Trudeau's for that matter. The other guys, all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to hold it in. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, the power of editing. I mean, I hate the world that where we have to have passwords on things or lock our doors and that kind of stuff. And so I don't know if you saw a tweet last week, but uh, so one individual pointed out that... Um, and it's true. I mean, like, I've got my watch set to unlock my Mac, but if you put my watch on, you can unlock my Mac, right? Because if they can unlock the watch, right? Well, because you, your, your watch has a, a pin. It does, it does. But then all you do is wake up my phone and it'll unlock the watch. So, but there, then they there, have to also there's unlock a, there's your a phone? small window of opportunity, is what I'm saying, that where, where you could technically, uh, like, if you take the watch off your wrist and put it back on your wrist, does it lock immediately? No, there is a little bit of a gap. So, you're right. A very um, talented pickpocket could probably get it off your wrist and onto theirs yeah. in just enough time to make sure that it doesn't lock. It sounds like, sounds like part of a plot of a, of a TV show or a movie where, you know, the guy's at the gym and he takes off his watch to go jump in the shower and, you know, the, the, the hacker who's following him grabs his watch, throws it on his wrist, opens up his laptop and gets that file that he needs, you know, puts it on that USB stick because that's what people use these days in television land. Do you know how they got um, Dread Pirate Roberts, the um, proprietor of, was it Silk Road? Is that what the name of the... Um... Yeah, this is a few years back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he was the one yep. using the you know Bitcoin cryptocurrency stuff. Mm-hmm. There you go, like a forum, let's say a discussion area. You know, you could go do stuff on the dark web there and, and right. have all sorts of nefarious things at your access. They um, they found him somewhere. I'm going to say it's a coffee shop because it sounds better if it's a coffee shop. So. All right. And they're like, oh, they distracted him while, while his machine was unlocked. <laughs> 
and then took the device away from him and made sure that, you know, the screen didn't lock, right? Mm -hmm. So the, there are these small windows that we should always be uh, cognizant of. Like even having the, um, yeah. you know, the automatic uh, locking uh, screensaver would not have been sufficient in this case because, like, I just keep pressing the shift button. Yeah, or the, <laughs> that or screen's the never going to lock. Trackpad. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway, enough about passwords for one day. Um, okay, so let's do some follow-up. So uh, following up on our, I think it was our after show. No, it was a pick a, a couple of weeks ago where I did some engineering jokes. I found another uh, website that lists uh, the, the ten, top 10 uh, engineering jokes. One of them is a repeat, but, like, I love this one here. The, the optimist says the glass is half full. The pessimist says the glass is half empty. The engineer says the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I like the hot air balloon one. Yeah, that's a good that, I've heard, a, I've heard a variation on that one. You yeah. were before we met, but now somehow it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they're missing yeah. the best computer science joke about the, the two hardest problems in computer science. Which are? Oh, okay. So the two hardest problems in computer science are naming things, cache invalidation, and the off by one problem. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's good. Yep. Yeah, I like the one about the car rolling, car ro rolls down the hill. Mm. Software engineer and a hardware engineer and a department manager are on their way to a meeting. And they're driv driving down a steep mountain hill and road. Suddenly, takes take, suddenly the brakes on the car fail and the car careens down out of control down the road, bouncing and crashing off barriers until it miraculously comes to a grinding halt on the mountainside. And the car's occupants are shaken but not hurt, and they, they now have a problem. They're stuck halfway down the mountain with no brakes. What do they do? Right. The I know says the department manager. Let's have a meeting. Purpose of vision. Formulate a mission statement. I'm already bored. Um, the, no, no, says the hardware engineer. Let's, I'll take, it'll take far too long to do that. Besides, I have a method that never worked before. I've got a Swiss Army knife with me. Let me hack into the brakes and fix them, and, and then I'll have it up and running in no time. And the, and the software engineer says, no, no, before we do anything, let's push the car back up the hill and see if it happens again. Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So anyway, we, uh, we read these already, so, you know, the, the small of humor that, uh, All right. that we're in some of them, you know, is lost on us the second time we hear it. Well, that was a long. That was a long. I said my my favorite. My favorite one is about the how many software engineers does it take to uh, change a light bulb. You've forgotten already? How many? None. It's a hardware problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So, Jaime, you got something about the uh, the fabric. Uh, Carol would be interested in this one, actually. Yeah, this was apparently presented at the NBA All-Star, All-Start Technology Summit. I don't know if that's a typo or if that's like an intentional pun. Um, but either way, the NBA commissioner showed off a smart jersey, if you could call it that, where it gets at the problem of, all right, I'm going to use something near and dear to the Toronto Raptors. So let's say you had a jersey with a particular person's name. Like Calvary, maybe? Yes, one of those individuals, right? You're like, oh no, I'm really excited about the trade from Marc Gasol, but I don't want to buy a new jersey and the person who I was repping before has left. Uh, you can't change teams with this technology. You know, they still have a Toronto Raptors jersey, but you can change the player name and number on the jersey. So you're no longer sad that, you know, you can't rep your Marc Gasol love without having to buy an all new jersey. Sure. And apparently this and, integrates and also, with an app, so you yeah. put it it also solves the problem of you buy a hundred dollar shirt and then the guy leaves the team. Then you're stuck with this with this name with this wrong name. Well, that's what Harmony was just yeah. saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. 
Well, no, I did the opposite where somebody new has come on. You want to have, but you know, you're like, ah, you know, maybe you, maybe you want to have somebody like, Hey, this person seems cool. Oh, they suck. (laughs) Or they did some terrible thing. You know, um, they, they, they crashed a car and and, then took out a school bus of children or something. Oh no. like I need to change it to something else, but I really don't want to buy a new Jersey. All this technology solves that problem for you. So for those of you driving at home, there's a link in the video. There's a video in link that Jaime will have listed in the show notes that shows it's kind of like an LC LED there. The, the color changes from white to the background color. And the, you know, so you basically, it's like a, like a, an old digital number technology. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Carol would really like that. She's into those textile art kind of things, which are cool. The like Carl, her, you know, um, Adreno and trinket, all those little trinket things that she puts on her fabric to light them up. All right. What's, uh, what else you got next to honey on the folding phones? Yeah. I think there'll be a, a theme here, but, uh, TCL, uh, this article from the verge says that TCL's first foldable phone, maybe could slap bracelet itself into a smartwatch. So this will make a little bit more sense if you look at the picture. So we'll have that in the show notes for those of you driving home. But you can imagine that with foldable screen technologies, we've mentioned, oh, what if a phone could unfold to be like a tablet? And going in the opposite direction, what if it could fold up to be more like a cuff? In this case, they're using, I think this speaks to the age of the particular author here. But uh, I remember slap bracelets from when I was a small kid. And they were just these, basically these pieces of metal that uh, were covered in fabric. So, you know, collect them all sort of thing. And the gimmick was instead of putting it on like a normal bracelet, you know, being a hoop or something, it would be like a ruler piece of metal. And then you would slap it onto your wrist and it would curl up and enclose itself onto your wrist. Um, I have some doubts about, you know, the longevity of your phone by slapping it onto your wrist like that, (laughs) just from shock absorption. (laughs) But being able to curl it and put it onto your wrist would be kind of a cool thing to do rather than having to carry it around in your pocket. And it would eliminate a third device, right? If you could say, okay, it folds up one way and it becomes more of a smartwatch or smart cuff and you unfold it the other way, it becomes a phone and then unfold it the other way, it becomes a tablet. I guess if you keep unfolding it, it becomes a tent. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where, where it ends up going in that direction. My big problem with these things is, is uh, like, you know, having used laptops for low these many years, whenever you have a movable part, right, or like something that flexes and bends, um, I kind of question the longevity of that kind of thing, right? Like yeah. even even in the video, if you look at it closely of the guy, he doesn't slap it on his wrist, but he bends it around his wrist. But it's not a perfect curve either. So there's kind of a, like a little little bump in the in the curve. So kind of, you know, like the whole idea of, of where the screen folds, there's going to be wear and tear over time. And, you know, how many times can you fold and unfold it? it just It just sounds, sounds like a, a gimmicky thing to me, to be honest with you. I don't know how long, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, 10 years from now, I'll be, I'll be eating my hat because we'll have all kinds of curlable, you know, roll up LED screens and that kind of stuff. But I think initially these are going to be uh, pretty hokey to start with, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with that. It, it will take time, I think, before these become like really uh, long-lasting. Like you would want it to last you know, like an iPhone 5 sort of thing, like a, a good five years before it you know completely starts falling apart. And then I think you'll feel reasonable if it's like, oh no, after six months it no longer wants to bend into a watch. That would really suck. Yeah, or you get like white spots in the LED where it gets worn out. But uh, I don't know. It, to me, like, you know, an innovation is really only going to take off. And, and again, of course, we never really know what's going to take off fully, right? But if it's something that people are really going to feel that they need, right? Um, you know, the iPhone didn't sell great gangbusters. I mean, it sold really well in the Apple community, but it didn't sell great gangbusters, you know, in, in the public until, you know, that sort of, what's 
that curve that uh, Simon Sinek talks about until till it became sort of you know the there were apps, apples apps, apple stores everywhere and there were lots of commercials and lots of marketing because I think the the iPhone itself the success of the iPhone has sort of led towards you know the resurgence of Mac in sort of you know people's decisions in terms of what computer they would buy right but um, it took a while for for the iPhone to sort of really climb and actually now we're at the point where we're starting to question whether or not we've sort of reached a saturation point with that, with iPhone sales right so something like a bendable watch or a foldable iPad slash phone I mean you know like <laughs> the, the trend used to be to try and make the phone as small as possible to the till you almost couldn't see it and now we've gone back to these big giant slates that people are dragging around right so to yeah I, I agree it's hard to say what what people will want I mean it's you know just just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you, you should, should yeah. do something yeah so I agree we'll We'll see. All right. So another uh, bit of follow-up here I posted was we were talking last week about uh, craft beer apps. Uh, Mark was talking about Pliny the Younger yep. since it's Pliny, Pliny time. Um, no longer. It's, it's no longer. Uh, no longer. No longer Pliny time. Yep. You've had your chance. Maybe next year. Yep. Um, so anyway, this is a, a, a site I found when I was doing research for the note, show notes last week on uh, 10 apps or 10 uh, apps that they rated for craft beer lovers. You know, we, we mentioned two of them uh, last week and uh, t- Untapped was the one that Mark, I think you said you used. Right. I use Untapped, uh, and I also use from this list Tap Hunter. Oh, Tap Hunter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if you're interested in, uh, well, some of them look pretty old. Like this uh, IntelliDrink looks pretty like pretty old uh, iPhone iOS six uh, um, look to it. Yeah. So I'm not sure how how up to date this list is, but there you go. There's ten apps you can explore. All right. Mm-hmm. Next. What's next? Anonymous. Oh, we have anonymous posting here. What does it say regarding the sketchy use of enterprise certificates to get around the App Store rules? Explains why anonymous Chinese devs were offered um, less than 2K to buy our enterprise search a few months ago. Greater than 2K, sorry. And there's a, there's a Twitter link here um, showing some uh, pornographic type Chinese sites that are uh, showing up on. Uh, the icons are blatantly uh, <laughs> questionable, right? I wonder how they got through. Very their, suggestive. wonder how they got not, through the review process. Right? Sometimes artfully done. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it could be way worse considering, like, I mean, if you're uh, a connoisseur of that center material are you necessarily going to give them you know a difficult time because of their app icon probably not so in some sense i kind of appreciate the level of craft and love that went into designing these logos yeah well there's some examples of some of the apps and if you follow them the twitter thread not safe for work well i mean they're all blurred out but still uh the concept is uh, is still there Shame, shame, yeah. shame is the last post. But it is an interesting thing because they are like I'm, I'm assuming since this is um, not like moving a traditional app for the App Store, which Apple does support, right? You, there are some limitations to it, but you can say, oh, you know, I've come up with this hot new app, and so and so company wants to buy from me, and you can migrate that over to them. I assume what's happening here is that people are getting behind the scenes access to stuff for large sums of money, and the um, the nefarious developers here are sort of hiding behind the reputation of the person who's probably still officially quote-unquote officially has access to the enterprise cert right yeah interesting well i mean if it's enterprise cert then there's there's no approval process right essentially right but then you know how would you know that you need to to deactivate this sort of thing i I assume in this case so they're bringing up um chinese companies that maybe apple is a little bit more stringent around uh, folks from that region don't know if they they do that but let's pretend they they are but if i hide behind you know good old bob hamilton from to be Kansas, who has a regular enterprise account, looks like they have normal activity. Um, maybe I mean I don't see why somebody wouldn't.
shouldn't use that as sort of like a front to give uh, an air of legitimacy that will, you know, cloak and hide and make it more difficult for Apple to see what's happening. Right, right. All right, well, I got another reminder today from Apple about the two-factor authentication coming down the pipe in next week, I think, right? 27th, yeah. Um, was it 27th is the date? I think so. Uh, anyway, so uh, um, Jonathan Tarrard posted a, a link. It was linked on Twitter, but posted a link here on how to activate um, an Apple ID with two-factor authentication when you have more than one account. Um, and I I didn't think about this myself, but uh, he just suggests that basically create a, another account, like a temporary account on your Mac, log into to iCloud with the third or fourth um, Apple ID and set it up. So I did that with, with my corporate ID because I don't have access from inside the corporation. Um, so I set up my two-factor authentication by doing that, by using an account that I have on my, my machine here at home. Um, and um, yeah, so that worked out fine and, and uh, wasn't terribly difficult to do. I tried to add it to my phone, but I couldn't figure out how to do the, the third account on my phone. I have like, you know, my .Mac account and my uh, iTunes account, one for iCloud, one for store, but I couldn't figure out how to get a third account on it. But using this, sorry, using this trick with the, um, with the dummy account on your Mac worked out fine. So I've got one more account to do, and then I think I'm good to go. There's how to do it if you've got more than one account. So And, and so I don't know if for those of you who uh, listened to last week's show uh, may remember that um, I started out telling people about the iPhone 6 replacement program, which at the time that I started talking about it was already over. So as a recompense, I have found a link here from iFixit, the fi- folks at iFixit.com who have a step-by-step instructions on how to replace the battery in your own phone. In fact, they'll even sell, sell you the battery if you need it. So they say it takes anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes to replace the battery in your phone. So there's my makeup <laughs> pick from last week. Yeah, $29.99, I guess the U.S. Is, is the price for their phone, which is which is comparable to what Apple was charging anyway. Yeah, but they'll, you know, they'll ship you the tools and all that kind of stuff to pop off your display and, and go in there and change your battery. I've changed batteries in a number of phones. It's not, not terribly difficult. Uh, it depends on the phone, right, in terms of how you get into it and get out of it sort of thing, right? So that's that. Um, the next post I have here, and you guys may be following along at home too, or I'm not sure if you two guys are following, but Amazon chose New York City or New, uh, the, the region of New York City to um, for its new ha- uh, headquarters. That was that big search that they did, right? Um, apparently they, they announced, uh, I think last week or just this last week, uh, that they're pulling out of New York because it was a huge backlash against Amazon coming into the New York area. They were going to bring 25,000 jobs in there. You guys see that? Yeah, it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Hard to say what really happened, but it but it sure sounds like there was just so much of a public relations uproar that they decided it just wasn't wasn't worth it and, and pulled out. It'd be interesting to see where they end up instead. Yeah, I'm not sure. What, what are the main points of why people are opposed? I mean, well, I mean, Amazon is kind of it's kind of a drudgery job, I guess, is the one main complaint. But what could there yeah, possibly I, be wrong? I, I kind of think it was a bit of a miscommunication because from what I was reading, it's people are upset because uh, Amazon was going to get tax incentives. Oh, from, right. Is that the one where they're not going to pay any tax at all? Well, that's different. They already aren't <laughs> federal taxes. But this is this would be state taxes. So they'd, they'd have a discount on the amount of state taxes that they'd have to pay. Uh, so they wouldn't have to pay you know a certain amount of state taxes uh, on on the amount of income that they made. Uh, and people were unhappy about that because there's the perception that that means that the state is giving Amazon money and Amazon makes plenty right. of money. They don't need New York State to give them money. But it's kind of a funny way to look at it 
because it's, you know, it's not like that was cash that the state has on hand that they're just giving out as a gift to Amazon. It's, you know, that money doesn't exist right now. And, and Amazon would be creating that income and then, and then, you know, the state would be benefiting from that. Uh, and they just, you know, would not pay as much tax as they would otherwise pay on the money they made if they didn't have the deal. So yeah, it's sort of a tough one. I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether this is a good thing or not for New York or for Amazon. Or I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Amazon was looking for an ideal location with, you know, shipping and, and, uh, land, I guess, well, uh, well enough to sort of service their needs. Right. So. Right. Right. Well, and, the article. Yeah. they wanted to build a, a, an engineering site, right? So they need access to all the talent and New York's a pretty desirable place for engineers to live. Uh, so I think it made a lot of sense from that point of view as well. Right. It said here that they had chosen Arlington, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, and New York, actually Long Island city section of Queens. They would have got each got 25,000 jobs each. And then the third site yeah. is Nashville, Tennessee with get 5,000. So, yeah. and they plan to spend 2.5 billion building the New York office. So that would have brought yeah. jobs in as well. Right. Yeah. Or, or at least yeah. revenue in. Yeah. There, there was definitely to Mark's point, a lot of weird misunderstandings. I think from what I understand, I think it polled really well. Again, I don't know, you know, how those polls were conducted. So, you know, your kilometerage may vary as we like to say <laughs> on the show. But I don't think it was the majority or even like a huge percentage of people who were against it. Again, I'm not in New York or even from New York, so I'm saying this from the West Coast here. It does seem like it was a very vocal minority who just really hated this deal. And I can see that there are aspects that they would legitimately hate. It did get caught up in a lot of misunderstandings, like Mark's point. Like, um, it was like, oh, we're giving them $3 billion. It's like, real? No, actually, you're not. You don't have $3 billion on hand. What was going to be given to them was $500 million. That was new money um, to like build their headquarters or something, or I forget what it was that was specifically earmarked for. All the rest of that, the other two and a half billion was making use of existing incentives that are available to other businesses and, and are not Amazon specific. Right. Um, okay. That's completely different and understandable than like, you know, if you think that large organizations like Amazon should not even get those sort of incentives, that's a completely different kind of discussion. Right. But it's not like, Hey, now we have $3 billion to, you know, uh, help affordable housing. No, you don't. In fact, you're probably in some respects worse off because you don't have fresh new money coming in, right? And and people have looked at it as, oh, well, you know, we've got these problems. Like, you know, they come in, now we have to have schools for them and teachers. Like, that sounds like more jobs to me. Yes, it does mean you're investing there, but it sounds like more jobs. Um, great for teachers, great yeah. for people who are, you know, building buildings and all these other things. It's, I'm not going to say that it was necessarily a good or a bad thing for them to come or not come to, to New York, but I, I think it really split a Along like real idealistic lines than it did on any sort of realistic or pragmatic lines. Um, and that's rather unfortunate. It does feel like a polarization type thing, yep. which is why I'm trying not to get, right. you know, too far into one side or the other. It does mean more opportunity for other regions, right? Um, Virginia spent like 30 minutes discussing, hey, should we do this? Yes, it's a fantastic idea for our situation. Great. They, they've got the 25000 in line. Uh, as you mentioned, Tennessee looks to be benefiting. Maybe they should build a larger engineering facility in Tennessee, not that far away from other things on the coast. Right, right. Okay, well, let's move on to the main part of the show here. So you've got a post here about Apple and AI? Yeah, apparently they've acquired a AI startup called PullString. They're based in San Francisco. Apparently they help companies build voice apps. Um, like apparently Mattel's talking Hello Barbie doll is part of that. But yeah, I think they largely help companies build um, apps for various assistants like Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa. Uh, the assumption here is that will 
use their engineering talents to do something in the voice space for Siri. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really know what it means. I don't know how their technology works. Um, like, I didn't know if it's more on the, you know, making it easier to build uh, skills or um, what do they call it on the Siri side? What's the equivalent? Not the shortcuts, I guess, but the, yeah, it was called shortcuts for lack of a better term. Um, that would be pretty cool. I mean, look at what Apple is able to do even just by integrating the workflow folks, right? And the Siri shortcuts app and the shortcuts that you can build into your own applications. I'm hoping this is them amassing even more talent to make that even better. I don't know what it means for the DRL HomePod that I happen to have and love, but feel it's a one and done device. Um, who knows? But clearly virtual assistant stuff, even if it's not voice related, even if it was conversational through like text mediums, for example, those will still be useful, I think, for many years to come. That's interesting. You know, when I was a kid, I had a GI Joe with a pull string on it, which had a little, almost like a little uh, record player inside it that would, you know, it was like a tape and it, and it had like the grooves on it and the needle would read and that's how GI Joe spoke, right? You had to take it apart to figure out how it worked, right? But it's interesting that this this Hello Barbie is actually a Wi-Fi speech recognition conversation doll where, where you basically can have a conversation with your Barbie doll. Very, very interesting technology. Hmm. Yeah, it's not, I mean, you know, the old, like basically on the old pull string talking dolls, I guess, but interesting stuff. Yeah, like Woody from Toy Story. There's a stake in my boots. Exactly, that guy. Yeah. Faux show. All right, well, on the rumor mill, um, there's a couple of things that got posted here, but so this one's out of 9 to 5 Mac. Uh, a couple of technologies coming up. One is apparently a 16-inch MacBook Pro, which is like, what, three-quarters of an inch larger than a 15-inch? I'm not sure about that one, but uh, some some spec uh, talk here. And it's from a, apparently a reliable Apple analyst, Ming-Chi Kuo, um, has, has re um, reported on these things. Uh, one of the things that may be of interest to Mark is a 31-inch 6K display, mm -hmm. uh, which Apple hasn't produced a display in a number of years, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. iPhones with upgraded Face ID and bilateral wireless and... Oh, yeah, and bilateral wireless charging. Here we go again. Apparently, the iPhone itself will allow people to charge off their devices or something like that. I don't know if you read into that part. Yeah, so instead of saying, all right, the center of your universe is your, your laptop and your laptop can charge peripherals like your phone, recognizing your that earbuds. the phone itself yeah. could be the center of the universe, which it arguably is now, and say, well, what if I want to charge my Apple Watch or my HomePods or I guess maybe another phone? I'm not really sure if that would be supported, but why not? If you've got a backup phone, it's like, oh, the power's went out. I need to charge my phone. All right, well, I've got this backup device. It's still got some juice. Tap it onto the other one and let the good times roll. Yeah, know. there was a Samsung commercial, I think, or a highway commercial where there one phone charges the other phone. I don't know if you've seen that one. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. No. Yeah, there was, there's a, you know, that uh, power, and they just basically hold the two phones side by each, and, and sure enough, one charges the other, right? So, especially when your significant other has run out of juice, you can share yours with her or him. But Tim, you, you, you mentioned a throwaway comment. You didn't know about the 16-inch MacBook Pro. What, what, what are your doubts there? Can you elaborate? Well, I mean, like, you know, um, I, 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 Apple used to have a 17-inch laptop. I think Mark said at one point he used to own one, and I used to joke about it and call it the cafeteria tray because it was pretty much that big. But, um, like, going from 15-inch to 16-inch, I mean, you think about it, it's measured diagonally, so that's only going to be like three-quarters of an inch bigger than the current 15, so I don't see the benefit of going that much bigger, right? It's not big enough to really make a, a viable jump, right? Well, okay, but if you were to go in the opposite direction and make that 15-inch into about a 14-inch, yeah, would you be happier or less happy? Well, no, again, it's 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 not enough. I mean, the, there's a difference between a 13-inch and a 15-inch, at least, you know, in terms of size, but in terms of footprint and whatever, they're not that much different in size, really, if you, if you stack one on top of the other kind of thing. Not like an 11-inch versus a 15-inch, right? That's a significant mm -hmm. difference, right? No, I think yeah, the, I th the news here is, is probably the 16-inch to 
display because, or sorry, the 31 inch display because I hear a lot of people who talk about, you know, Xcode all the time. I mean, I use an external monitor here uh, at home and I use one at work too, but because uh, sometimes, you know, the, there just isn't enough real estate on your screen for all the, you know, the windows you need to have open when you're developing, right? Yeah, it's very hard to oh, use yeah, sure. Xcode on a, on a MacBook for sure. Yeah, you have the LG display at work, right, Mark? I do. Yeah. And yeah, even, so. even with that, I use, I keep my laptop open. So I use the two displays together. Yeah. So I, it's funny. We last week we were talking about Forbes, you know, um, when they, whenever they talk about a release, like, you know, iOS 12 is coming out and it has some nasty surprises. And well, I, I read today that, you know, Apple is not doing anything exciting with the iPhone coming up and you know, based on, on this, these same rumors about the 2019 phones. So it's going to be, you know, it's boringly going to be named the iPhone 11. And, <laughs> you know, so Forbes has taken another swipe at Apple, which is funny compared to what we were talking about last week. They're, they can't, they never have, they never can say anything good about Apple in their, in their, uh, the clickbaity titles. Well, that's how know. they get people to click. That's true. That's true. Now I'm almost ashamed to have this next story posted here, but, uh, there's a link here about a patent that Apple has applied for, for a folding phone. Who knew? Right. So can you even Apple looking gone. at it in this diagram? Is there a, a hinge there? Yeah. Um, kind of a hingy thing with, I guess the LED folded over and, and a pipe cleaner. Is that how you clean? So <laughs> <laughs> you clean this? What, what is, yeah, it's a, what is the 46 brush, on this diagram? You clean in between with a bottle brush. Maybe that's the carry strap or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand patent drawings. Oh, wait, there's more. There's more pictures. If you click the little, uh, there's like a little arrow left and right. You can, there's like resistors on there and grounding plates. Those aren't resistors. Those are inductors, coils. Yeah. Oh, it looks, got the eyeball here, the VPR and the VPL, the visual plane left and visual plane light right, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing a faux uh, 3D effect or something. Hmm. Yeah. Even Apple's getting into the game, apparently. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, I, I have not really looked because I just didn't have time today to look at what Samsung released today. They had like five new phones, including their foldable phone. It seems like they had quite a bit, like a phone in just about every size category you might imagine. And there's kind of a cornucopia here, right? Coming back to that nine to five Mac article. Um, I will say for the 16 inch MacBook Pro, I'm going to assume that they probably just shaved off the bezel to give you more screen real estate. Oh, maybe. I expect it to be in roughly, um, you know, within half an inch or so body-wise similarity to the 15-inch MacBook Pro. Um, just right. just guessing. I have no no evidence to this fact. I'm just looking at my old MacBook Pro and saying, yeah, I bet I could shave off diagonally half an inch to an inch of, uh, of bezel in each direction. And I don't remember what the new MacBook Pros look like, but um, the other things that are on here that uh, apparently Quo says that uh, Apple is on schedule to uh, tease us with the new Mac Pro, the modular Mac Pro. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, the modular one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one you might like, the Apple Watch ECG function will come to additional countries. Like Canada? Maybe. That is an additional country. Just in time for my next heart attack. <laughs> well, maybe you'll have a ceramic <laughs> casing option. Not that I've had a with your With your new one. Um, and that the AirPod 2, AirPods 2, will support wireless charging and have upgraded Bluetooth connectivity. So did I see the other day that somebody, or was somebody just sort of speculating that they're going to come out in black, the, iP- the AirPod 2? Had you seen that? There are articles just... about that. I don't know how confirmed they are. Probably yeah, confirmed. Probably twice as but, easy to lose that way. But right? I'll tell you, Ming-Chi Kuo's track record is usually pretty good. Yeah? So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I would I would put some credence in what he has to say. Where is he from? A reliable... Uh, probably, I'm guessing Taiwan, and he probably has oh, a lot okay. of uh, connections into the into the manufacturing companies there, and that's how he knows all this stuff. Oh, I see. Okay, right. I guess. Right. I've been watching The Man in High Castle uh, this week, so I'm kind of suspicious yeah. of these kind of activities, right? <laughs> Interesting stuff. All right. I do think, just to give to comment on the, the black AirPods, it strikes me 
as the most obvious thing to do to differentiate AirPod 1 versus AirPods 2. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, they're already pretty minimal as it is. Like, how much more could you shave off of that size and still have it be recognizable as, oh, you have the new device. I should also get the new device. Right? This is the same thing I said every um, S model year of, wow, I sure hope Apple is smart enough to just add a new color. Just pick one at random. Just say a new color so people can know that... Yes, I have the new device. It looks 100% like the other device, except it's in a new color. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's going to be a, a fashion item. I might as well lean into that. So, yeah, there are no black AirPods 1, except for, you know, aftermarket stuff. So the um, the rose gold AirPods 2 would be one that I would rose do. Gold. I was like, here, just, just apply some, some paint. Just paint them. Yeah, for sure. Or the, the product red ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So you have another, uh, oh, is this the same article Apple said to be Target? combining huh? this one is from mark german who's claiming that by um 2021 developers will be able to use marzipan oh target stuff. okay i get it yeah uh, not the retailer was this i <laughs> know <laughs> the uh, <laughs> yes the folk the fine folks out of minneapolis minnesota throwing their hat into the ring when it comes to creating you know a unified environment for iphone sure. ipad and mac computers mighty, mighty nice of them yep right um it goes into more detail here it says here that in 2020 uh the plan will be to expand this Marsman kit so iPhone applications can be converted into Mac apps in the same way. Uh, apparently, there's a challenge here because iPhone screens are so much smaller than Mac computer displays, especially if you got a big old hunk in, what do we say? Uh, was it 31 inch? 31 inch, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then by 2021, he's saying here that developers will be able to merge iPhone, iPad, and Mac applications. Well, it could be like the, I, the iPad Pro 12.9, where you just take your, your standard iPhone experience and just blow it up to 12.9 inches, right? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I use the simulator all the time, and I'm not saying it's a great experience to use an app through that way, but it's better than not having it, and it's oh, better true. than, right. in a lot of cases, is better than a web app. Or because a lot of people like to hit on it, and I certainly do in many cases. Um, it's better than like an electron app like Slack, which people complain about mightily, right? Like if it, yes, it will be clunky, but would you rather not have these things? I mean, that's true. That's sort of the gap that Apple's trying to cover. Like, yes, absolutely. If you make a handcrafted iPhone app and a handcrafted um, iPad app or, you know, a well-done universal app that can mix between modes and a handcrafted Mac app, absolutely, you're going to have a better experience. I fully expect shops like uh, longtime supporters like Omni, for example, or Panic to continue to go down that route. That's their bread and butter. But for independent developers or for, you know, larger corporations who just really can't justify, all right, we're going to have a tvOS app and a Mac app and an iPhone app and an iPad app, making that a little bit more seamless to get. You know, basic bare bones functionality seems like a pretty big win overall. Mm. And apparently this will be uh, talked about in some way, shape, or form at the June 3rd to June 7th WWDC in San Jose, as I, I think we might have mentioned last week or the yeah, week before. Yeah, mm-hmm. based on permit permit filings. Mm-hmm. But this is actually starts not left. really any surprise, right? Because they, they announced it last year and made a fairly big deal about it last year at WWDC. So it's not too surprising that they'll give us another uh, another round of information and, 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 uh, and put it off for another year, of course. <laughs> right, right. Before actually, yeah, it's a hard problem. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. They're still working on the the what's the air base station thing, the air power thing, yeah. the air power. They're working <laughs> well, on the they want to get that right, you know, so they can ship it on the same true. the Mac Pro. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll be able to charge your Mac Pro with air. With right, it. that's right. That's that's the last kink they're trying to work out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I guess we're at the end of the show here. So how about our picks? I mean, you got a pick or two or three or four? I have two. One is from. 
from uh, somewhere can... deep in Apple Park, apparently. Friend of the um, show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, I guess former co-host. Let's see. Now that he's at the, the Big Fruit Company, I don't think he can be on this show anymore. Except, you know, maybe in some limited capacity. So one day we will have Greg and, and, and oh, uh, as long as I'm in Fantasyland, we will also have uh, Craig Federighi on the show as well. <laughs> they, they can spitball about their life. And John Gruber is a co-host, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in this case, it's a tweet from um, Greg who says that his new favorite Xcode keyboard shortcut, control backslash, or a big file that you've changed and then scrolled around in, that oh, gets wow, you back yeah. and forth between your changes, which seems like the smallest thing, but I'm like, oh my gosh, if, if I can commit this to memory, this will be life-changing <laughs> in some degree. Like so much, like incremental little time over many, many usages over many, many days will be saved. So if you want to jump to the next change, it's control backslash. If you want to jump to the previous change, I would say that as uh, shift control backslash, which will give you the pipe. So so Greg was a little minimalist in his description here, and it, it broke my mind for a few minutes because I had not yet had my coffee at the time I read this. He's looking at my keyboard wondering what in the world he means. Um, but yes, shift would be that one. Sorry, shift? Well, yeah, to, to the pipe uh, symbol, you need to hold down the shift. Oh, really? Yeah, it was breaking my mind. I'm like, okay, control backslash. Mm-hmm. Control pipe. I'm like, how am I going to get that pipe? Oh, wait, yeah, shift. Yeah. <laughs> but what he's saying oh, is... Oh, he's being is tricky, correct, yeah. But yeah, he's being a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's shifty. Look at the eyes on him. He's yeah, good shifty, yeah, that guy. It's true. It's true. Canadian human in California, indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. What's your other pick there, Jaime? This one is the uh, online Swift Playground, which you might remember way back in 2014. We talked about how IBM had provided this online Swift Playground. Um, I think it was available long before we had like actual playgrounds, or at least in officially supported. Yeah, that blue Mexico. something or other, right? Yeah, I think it was a blue mix thing um i think it is being deprecated but uh this is being done by uh marcin or marcin not sure how to pronounce that name Krizen. Mar- marcin krasinowski we talked about him last week Kras- thank you <laughs> i'm so glad you did that because i once again am butchering names i apologize people i try to get them right because people get my name wrong all the time uh, but in this case you've got a little swift repl that you can use and they've helpfully given you different options for uh versions of swift and as of oh, this writing cool. yeah it is uh 403 412 and 42 release options and hopefully they'll get swift 5 on there relatively soon hey we can use this for interviews you probably could yeah i don't see i don't see why not it looks like it does some syntax highlighting um i don't think it can do ui of any sort i think it's just the command line REPL being run as like a like a docker container or something i think right right huh yeah so bummer that the ibm one is apparently being deprecated is it deprecated we talked about it a couple of weeks ago so i went into the website and now i can't see the main page that is interesting uh, online.swiftplayground.run. It was showing the original screen, and now I just see the REPL. Let me see if I can open this in a new, in a new window. Oh, it's the same thing we were just looking at. Swift IBM, Swift at I, Swift Swift Pipe IBM. I think so. There, there we go. So before I go into the Let's Play, there's all sorts of info on this main pretty page. It says, you know, run hosted Swift or deploy your own instance with Docker and use third-party packages. Easy to use. Swift on server. It's built with the Swift Package Manager and runs on uh, Katura. Hmm. And then what people are saying somewhere, at least, I don't know if these are randomized. This is in the second row, first column. Uh, David Oaken, a developer advocate at IBM, saying, I was sad to see the IBM Swift sandbox get oh, deprecated. Okay, this right. is a welcome addition to the world. So I'm going to take that as pretty good news or a pretty good authority that that's probably deprecated. I don't know if it's true or not. He would um, know. Just because it may not. Yeah, that's what I would figure. Like, I haven't seen a document that says, yeah, really, this thing is deprecated. But for the purposes of this show, I think that's that's pretty good, solid, you know, source there. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw something the other day about the 
word, use of the word verily. I was going to point it out to you, but I forgot what it was now. Barely or verily? Verily. Verily. Yay, verily. Yeah. Something the other day came across my purview. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it again and bring it up again next time I see it. Well, that's cool. Um, my quick, my pick is a quick one. I was watching this TED Talk the other day. So let me ask you this question. This is coming from the TED Talk. You guys know about weight loss, right? Like you, 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 you build up fat, you eat sugars and, you know, whatever, and, and you put weight on. Where do you, where does the weight go when you lose weight? You burn the, uh, you metabolize the, the fat. Well, you meta- yeah, it's true. That's actually true. But most people think like when, when, when this guy in the talk asked people where they, where the, where the, uh, fat went or the, where it went, they, they thought it came out in sweat or, you know, it came out, you know, you excreted, excreted it, it, it somehow yeah. or you're burning calories or whatever. And what was interesting about the talk was he talked about how, you know, plants basically make energy by, by combining harbor, carb, carbon dioxide and uh, fiber and, and hydrogen from the sun and energy from the sun to create, you know, photo through photosynthesis make energy, right? Um, and then we consume it and whatever and so forth, right? But so he showed the chemical composition of fat, which is basically, don't quote me on this, but it was like carbon 52, hydrogen 104, oxygen 8. And so what he what he does in his demonstration, he has a whole bunch of chemical things that he does as well as in part of his talk, but he basically talks about the fact that how you get rid of, how you metabolize that, that uh, those fat molecules is by breaking them down into um, water and carbon dioxide, which you exhale, right? But it's not like you can just sit there and constantly exhale, exhale, exhale. That's not the same as exercising, but so the exercising gets you, gets your body to the point where you're using the energy in the cells, but you're also, ex- you're exhaling, you know, the, the, uh, the, the carbon dioxide to get rid of those, those molecules. Cause you know, the whole conserv- conservation of mass, the carbon, the hydrogen and the oxygen have to go somewhere. Right. It was a inter- really interesting talk on, on how weight loss actually works. And in the fact that, you know, that's how you, you convert the fat molecules from what they're cre- you know, you consume sugars and proteins and whatever, and turn them into fat. But this is how you get rid of the fat over time by, um, by doing exercise. It's not the actual movement of the muscles per se, or the, the breaking a sweat or raising your heart rate. It's, but it's all about how much more you exhale and I guess excrete some water too, to get rid of the water part of it. Right. So it's an interesting talk. I just thought it was, I thought that we watched that the other day on probably on Facebook or something like that, but, uh, it's a cool, cool little piece. So I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Cool. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter is at dev of the hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitcher machine is the best way to find me. Until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
Did we talk last week about the Mars rover opportunity? Oh, opportunity's dead, yeah. Or yeah. we think it's okay. dead. It's been eight we months. We believe it to be inactive because it is saying that, hey, it's getting cold and dark. <laughs> which basically means that it's, it's uh, solar panels are, are getting covered with, with too much dust. Yeah, from the, from the dust storm or whatever. I wonder what happened, what would happen if some, for, by some fluke or whatever, like a wind came along and cleared the dust off the solar panels, would it, would it regenerate the batteries again? Because it, it ran for 15 years or something like that? Some incredible amount of time. Yeah, maybe. I mean, batteries, over time, they lose their ability to, to retain a charge. Sure, yeah. So if they if it's if it's just old enough that that uh, it you know can't hold the charge anymore and and you know for a while even though even though it was covered up it could still you know get enough energy and, and keep charge but now that there's just enough on top that it, it's limiting the amount that comes in and it just can't even recharge then yeah. probably the answer is no it would never start up again sure. yeah it was a 15 year mission it was supposed to last eight months or something like that initially it was like to 90 days I think. Of new civilizations and- <laughs> boldly go where no rovers gone before it had a Twitter account too I used to follow it on Twitter because I still do. Yes. Here's the, the question for you too. So assume a hypothetical future where Earth, sorry, where humans have colonized Mars. Yeah. Option A and B. So option A, we find the opportunity, and I guess spirit, just to, you know, for completeness, and turn them back on. So <laughs> dust off well, the did, solar did panels. Did they do that in, Mar- in the, movie, the Martian movie? Yeah, yeah, right. So, so that sort of thing, turn them back on, you know, and, and have it reconnect to NASA, go about its business. Or option B, you um, create monuments where they are and, and presumably, you know, take them away to store them in the Smithsonian Mars edition. I think right. by the time we get to Mars and can colonize, the technology will be so far advanced that it will be pointless to turn it back on and they'll just make a museum, probably build a museum right around it. They wouldn't, they won't trip it back. They'll just build a, a local museum right around where everything ended up. Yeah. Yeah. In, in option B, the, the museum is presumed to be on Mars. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, so, you know, people turn on Apple IIEs. They're like, oh, look, this has been here for 30 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe, so that's where option A goes, right? Like turn the, the opportunity back on. Right. But they don't do it to actually use the thing. They just turn it on for the sake of being able to. Well, did you did you read that thing about the guy who found an Apple IIe that his parents had kept in, in the attic? Or like, that's what I'm thinking of. If like He, he fired right, it up. They and wouldn't the program use it he was, like, the program, the game he was playing the last time he used it, like fired up and said, okay, do you want to continue the game? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's like a similar thing, right? Like, obviously, that guy's not going to use that as like, oh, yeah, this is like my perfect gaming machine now. It, and similarly, Spirit and Opportunity would, in option A, not be used as like, hey, they continue to explore. Like, this is more like, you know, for curiosity's sake, do you end up turning the back on? Or do you say, you know, now, you know, they've they've fulfilled their mission. Now it's time to decommission them and put them in the museum. Right. I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I think museum. Yeah, Sojourner. That's what I'm thinking of. The Sojourner one. I saw there's, there's a replica of the so There's a part, like a, a double of the replica of Sojourner at uh, the Smithsonian that you can go look at in the same is, room with is the, it a uh, double space of the replica or a replica of a double. <laughs> no, it's they made two, right? <laughs> one on Earth and one one that goes to Mars. And so if they ever got into trouble, they could replicate the the actions they were doing. But here's something for you to think about: Did you know that Mars is the only planet in our solar system completely occupied by robots? Ooh, <laughs> I had not considered <laughs> that. That we know. Yeah. <laughs> that we know. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess technically the moon is too, because there was a couple of Russian robots up there too. Mm. No, like they've got the Apollo 15 on here, out of this world record. But the moon is not a planet, and you said planet. Yeah, well, it, I meant occupied by, yeah, like like populated by, I should say. So we so don't apparently know that there isn't other population on Mars, and we don't know that there aren't robots on other planets. Right, so here, so here's the here's the numbers by how far they've traveled, right? I mean, there's a couple of Chinese ones that went 0.1 kilometer. I'm sorry, you have to do math on that one. Sojourner apparently traveled 0.1 kilometer, which isn't very far. It's not very Spirit, far. At all, huh? Spirit went uh, 7.7 kilometers. Uh, uh, Lunacot, which is the the Russian one that went to the moon, went 10.5 kilometers in its entire journey. The Curiosity rover went 20 kilometers, 20.4 kilometers. Apollo 16's rover, you know, the lunar rover, went uh, 27.1 kilometers. The Apollo 15 one went 27.8. Apollo 17's went uh, 35.74 kilometers. And the Lunacot 2, which was the second probe that the Russians sent up there, went 39 kilometers in total distance. But the opportunity holds the record with 45.16 kilometers from t- 2004 to 2018. So it holds the record on uh, Not a lot Mars. of kilometerage there. What forty five? I, <laughs> I mean, oh, given I see, that, yeah. Well, no, I mean, time period. Oh, you're taking you're 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 going over time. Yeah, I guess it's pretty slow, right? It's very carefully collecting samples. That's true. That's true. But I mean, the, the previous one, Spirit went only went seven kilometers, so it's like what uh, many more times, almost six times further, or more than six times, I guess. Interesting. What about the furthest the robots traveled on Earth is? <laughs> Hmm. That's a good question. Nobody's got a stat on that one. No, and I guess well, it depends on you, where you draw the lines of some of these autonomous things. Because a satellite orbiting the Earth is technically a robot. Is it? Sure, isn't it? How do you define a robot? How do I define a robot? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are all... These are, sure. were, they auton- were these autonomous or they were programmed by Earth Earthlings to drive around up there? Hmm. I thought they were semi-autonomous. Like, they could be given little missions of, like, go over to that rock there. Yeah. Like, I don't think NASA had to say, go precisely 35 meters. I think it was more like, you know, make your way to this waypoint. And then we'll receive information and then tell you what to do next. Mm-hmm. And there's, of course, I forget what the delay is, but it's not instantaneous transmission to Mars. Mm. Yeah, I think it takes about three minutes or something to get to Mars. Is that for any signal whatsoever or for the kind of... Because they would get, like, a photo or maybe mini video upload, right? Well, it, it all travels at the speed of light, uh, but the bit rate could vary. But the signal, the mm-hmm. time it takes for the signal to get there is always the speed of light. Right, right. Interesting stuff. There's some interesting pictures of these various rovers, some on Mars, and of course it was the couple of other things sent there that never actually made it anywhere. Well, I think the option B, the more logical thing to do is to put it in the museum, but part of me kind of wants to just let it roam around as a little mascot yeah. on Mars. Yeah, wasn't there a... Yeah, a um, some, some teenager would knock it over and break it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's, well, that would be rather a Fortunate. Speaking of which, did you hear about that? There was some sort of um, uh, time capsule kind of thing that that was like a robot with legs and hands traveled around, you know, all kinds of countries in Europe. Um, you know, like with people took pictures with it and that kind of stuff. And they, it went to the United States and lasted like six hours before somebody trashed it. Really? Ripped its arms off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not surprising. No respect. No respect. Yeah. All right. So Pi Day is coming up pretty soon, huh? Pi Day is coming up pretty soon. That's right. true. Gonna, gonna, maybe maybe my pick will be the Pi Day app, I guess, no, right? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, well, maybe we'll have to tune in later and see if they make it my pick. Good point. Thanks for that calling that out, Mark. I would have yeah. forgotten. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I always forget just before New Year's, too, to, to announce that people could use Pi Day for counting down to New Year. We actually used it this year on, and at the party that I've been going to for the last five years. Hmm. I always have my phone ready and nobody ever looks at it, but hmm. this year they did. Anyhow, but, I, but, you know, it's like a red font on a, on a black background, and, you know, in the dark room, it's kind of hard to see, but, oh, well, what are you going to do? I should have made it yellow. You, All right. You have um, the designer to redesign that for you. Yeah, I just I can't get a hold of that guy anymore. He's too hmm. busy. Why not yeah. make it themable, and then you can sell in-app purchase packs for the themed colors? Well, you can actually, choo- you can actually choose your own color. Like, you can actually go in and, and, and you know, tweak it yourself. And the only thing you can't change the icon, depending on what holiday's coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the other thing that, that uh, yeah, that's the other thing that um, we talked about with, because uh, I think uh, Black Box does that, right? And so does um, PCALC. He changes his uh, icon all the time. Which is what explains why he has so many different um, buttons as well, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Or pe- yeah, buttons. Is that what they call those things are called? Lapel pins? Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway. That's why I've mentioned that, you know, as the last thing I'll say, and as I've said several times, and probably every year around this time, that this should be the boondoggle app that does every new thing that comes out. You're like, you know what? I really want to learn how to read from NFC chips. Guess what? <laughs> Biden countdown is going to read from <laughs> NFC chips. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. It could be like a 500, 500 megabyte download, right? Does <laughs> <laughs> it have face ID? support you know to make sure nobody sees what, what you're counting down to that's true but like you know it's like it's like gruber says it's a good thing you don't see the code that's underneath it but anyway as long as, as, long as it counts down it's fine well, if you rewrite it in swift it'll get smaller that's swift true Ooh, that's right avi stability mm-hmm. yeah. you know i should tell you I've, I've been using DuckDuckGo as my main search engine for the last uh, week on both yeah. my iphone and my mac mm-hmm. and i really I haven't think. missed google very much yeah yeah for maybe the only the only thing i like about google, google is a reverse image search but yeah, I haven't really noticed any. I mean, a few things like I, I notice sometimes when I'm looking for coding examples, it, it's uh, DuckDuck goes a little harder to sort of parse through. But, but yeah, I've not been able, to, I've not had any like major. Oh my god, I can't live with this kind of deal. You know, mm-hmm. no, just gotta get Carol off of Google <laughs> and try to get her off cable TV too. That's another challenge. Or mm, cut, yeah. cut the cable. I'd recommend YouTube TV, but it seems like you're trying to get away from Google. So yeah. maybe perhaps Hulu would yeah. be your better option. <laughs> well, we don't get Hulu up here, I don't, and I don't think we Wait, have you YouTube have Hulu TV up either. No. We don't have Hulu, Hulu, no Hulu. Just uh, oh. Amazon Prime and Netflix and Bell. Wait, how's Jonathan viewing Hulu stuff? No, we they so so what I think I told you this before that TV shows are pitched at um, a conference in LA at some point in in the summer or winter or whatever, and they're bought by the networks up here. So we might get Hulu, we might get Sci-Fi stuff shown on the Space Channel or on Showcase or Bravo. But we so there's like three or four channels like FX. We have FX, FX. X. You have FX in the States too, right? Yeah. And FXX. And I'm not even clear what that other channel is about. I have not looked it's at just, it. It's just more X. <laughs> more X. <laughs> it's X-ier. Um, but, uh, and then we have, so we have we have Showcase, Bravo, Space, and AMC, right? And shows get, shows that are made by Hulu or by Sci-Fi Channel or Comedy Network. We also have a Comedy Channel here too. But those shows get bought by different networks up here that aren't connected to the American ones, right? So we see Hulu shows on, like, isn't Hulu um, uh, Runaways? Isn't the Runaways Hulu? Yeah, which is why I'm like, wow, I got to give extra kudos to Jonathan for even going the extra mile and realizing that it's a Hulu original that is being displayed on oh, like, it shows space right at the very or some other it's channel. It's published by Hulu right at the very right off the top, right? So we, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so we see that right, right away. And then, um, so, like, you know, we get, we get uh, what's the Z Nation? That's another one that's done by one of those channel things, channel. 
channels. You know, Expanse was was co-produced by the Canadian and the American channel. You know, um, Battlestar Galactica, I think, was Sci-Fi Network, right? Or Sci-Fi Channel in the States. But up here it was shown on space, you know. And, of course, you've got CBS All Access doing the Star Trek stuff, and we're getting that on, on our space channel up here, right? But that's what Jonathan was saying. Was What was one of the shows he was talking about last week was, um, like, Daredevil. It was like one of those shows that he was talking about the other last week that we don't know where it's going to... Oh, with the, I think the one you brought, you picked, uh, the Kevin Smith one, and we don't know where it's going to be shown in Canada right now. Oh, the the Hulu um, originals, they're doing the... Yeah. They'll come here, but we don't the know... The Offenders. We don't know one the four network, different right? animated shows. Oh, yeah. let's see. So I, I knew that you guys had some of those things like, oh, yeah, you guys watch Star Trek Discovery, a CBS All Access here in the States, and it's like on Space Channel. I didn't realize it was so prevalent that that's how you guys do it. I just assumed, oh, yeah, we got Netflix, you got Netflix. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's not Hulu. the same at all, no. And, like, your Netflix and our Netflix mixes aren't the same. Like, I've I've been in the States and lo- dialed into Netflix and watched movies that haven't shown up here till like, a year later, you know, uh, on our Canadian network, Netflix. Like, for instance, we have all the Star Trek movies, Star Wars movies right now. We have, like, Solo and Last Jedi and Force Awakened on our Netflix. Do you have those on yours? Oh, yeah. Did I tell you I watched Solo? Did you? I did. What did you think of it? I actually liked it. It wasn't it wasn't horrible, right? But yeah. it wasn't like, you know, but, you know, I think everybody kind of, like, it was a bit like um, the last uh, Star Star Wars movies where they, they sort of had to hit the certain points, right? You know? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you something sacrilegious, I think. I liked it better than either of the two Star Wars <laughs> really? current movies. Th- yeah. That being The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny, you know, like, everybody, everybody complains about all those movies being hot messes, too, but I don't know. I just, I have a soft spot for Star Wars, I, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're I mean, I, I, I watch. <laughs> I haven't watched all the Clone Wars, but you know, I used to watch the droids and the mm-hmm. Ewoks, you know, cartoons, right? So, I mean, the bottom line, the, I think the bar that people keep forgetting is the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that's the that's you know, if it's if it's better than that, it can't be bad, right? Well, yeah. Or when R two D two is R two D not better than that. <laughs> but R two, what do you mean not better? There is nothing that oh, is not oh, yeah. better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the the epitome of the, the that's the bottom bottom yeah. of the the yeah. rung right yeah yeah you know but even but even r2d2 and c3 were on donnie marie right so you know actually when i saw the eagles play in 1979 okay and in downtown and the the encore songs they played were life's been good and rocky mountain way right and during those two songs r2d2 was on the stage walking around wow yeah <laughs> um, the real one yeah uh, well, how many r2d2s <laughs> would there have been in in 1979 uh probably a lot <laughs> you think i don't yeah, know I think so anyway but you know why would the eagles have r2d2 walking around on stage and running that's around on stage question. yeah that's good question. no sense man i was talking about turning the opportunity into this walking around mascot <laughs> just letting it roam around the lawn it could be the new r2d2 Mars yeah University. exactly <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I have pictures of my my uh, uh, grandson Xavier next to R two D two. One when he's like ten years old, and another one where he's like you know thirteen years old. And he's like he's like R two D two is like you know, twice as big, or he's twice as big as R two D two in the last one, right? So yeah. Anyway, yeah. nothing. You guys seen um, completely changing topics? Have you guys seen this person does not exist dot com? No. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's what the computer.
computer faces, right? Yeah. Yeah, the computer-generated faces. Are they really computer-generated, though? My understanding is they are being generated off of presumably some very large data sets. Mm. Oh, let me choose some eyeballs. Let me choose some teeth. Let me choose some hair. Uh, And you can sort of really tell on some of them. Like, I'm looking at a lady who um, uh, her glasses look completely messed up, and it looks like it tried cropping out, Mm -hmm. you know, eyeglasses from some other person. But some of these are... Oh, yeah, there's one who's like like horrifyingly like half uh, lens frame that just sort of disappears into their eyebrow. Mm -hmm. But some of these are shockingly good. Well, not the last like four that I've hit. Okay, this one's pretty good. This just looks like a dude. Like at this, you know, okay, if I was looking at this on my future uh, 31-inch 6K Apple screen, it'd probably be like, oh, look, it's super obvious. But, you know, on your phone or somebody's LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram profile photo, I would never notice that there was something wrong here. Mm -hmm. Shockingly good. Some of these look like actual people people I've seen. Yeah, they do, for sure. And you'll never get the same face twice. Is that the idea or are they cached? I have no idea. It doesn't have like a sharing link. I mean, I haven't inspected the source to see if like, oh, this is, you know, number one, two, three, four, five that they've generated or if it's generating them on the fly. Um, It's just pretty interesting and kind of scary in some respects technology, kind of similar to the deep fakes that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Some of the the little kids look really scary. (laughs) Like scarily good? No, they look realistic, but like you get to like the details of their teeth or cheeks or whatever and they're all distorted and it is creepy like sometimes the angles are a bit off too right yeah yeah and it looks like glasses is what it has the most trouble with mm, right what if you saw somebody new on here <laughs> <laughs> hey look you're computer generated you know it you remember was it the 10 year challenge that people were doing yeah some, yeah you know choose a photo of yourself from 10 years ago and a photo of yourself now yeah. and people were worried like hey is like facebook trying to uh, basically have people feed a large data set so they oh, can make really? their yeah, yeah. targeting better yeah it seems like you could do that same sort of thing here of hey give a reference photo and then see you know all the different iterations it goes through until it finds something that matches that yeah oh my so God. it can generate something that's within you know two percent code that you wrote 10 years ago compared to when you wrote this week yeah that would be more uh, <laughs> kind of fun more interesting. they look like they look like bad illustrations if you ask me right sometimes the, the, the it's distorted a bit yeah I, I think it depends um i'm a little disappointed with what i'm seeing today they were really really good when i first looked at this yeah these have trouble with hands too they came out looking like fins there's a um there's a couple different projects out there that do this same sort of it's like uh this anime character does not exist or something yeah yeah that is being a little (laughs) bit less successful um even though it should hypothetically be easier because you're talking about line art yeah and it turns out that people were asking you on twitter about and he's like oh i guess this data set we have has like too much porn in it and so you end up with these weird artifacts on the faces that, that just really should not be there. Yeah. By the way, you know, you push Barbie's belly button or belt buckle in to make her talk. That's not weird at all. Ooh, here's a weird one with the woman's ear has like this this uh, reptilian ridge. <laughs> uh, a little bizarre. She's from Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm going to get back to my uh, binge watching uh, Man in High Castle. All right. How far along are you? I'm just uh, episode nine of the first season. First season? Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch all three seasons so I far? I did. Yeah. 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 Season four is going to be the final one. Is it? Is it? I thought they just announced that today. Oh, have you seen it? That's probably about right. You know, they it's it'll be hard to milk it for more than another season. I've uh, I've only seen three or four episodes of the first season. I want to say. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I started watching yeah. it like months ago, like almost a year ago, I think. And and we were talking about it the other day on the show, and I thought, oh, let's just watch it because I, yeah. I had watching Amazon Prime, and yeah. yeah. 
All right, enjoy. Yeah, Tonic-wise, I would also say Russian Doll. Uh, Jonathan was right. I liked it. Right. I think it kind of depends if you oh, like Natasha Leon or not. About. Did you guys, have you guys, well, I'll talk about this in Spotcast tomorrow, but uh, Harry Nilsson, did you know who Harry Nilsson was? The uh, singer? Yeah, apparently yeah. he does Nelson this, he, he, they use him for the soundtrack for Russian Doll. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I forget what song. Yeah, yeah. But he, like, he's amazingly prolif- prolific. Anyway, yeah, well, oh. I, guess, I guess we'll uh, chat at you later. All right, later. Okay. All right. Bye. Later. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.